Hello and welcome to the Stacked Podcast, brought to you by Cognify, the recruitment partner for modern data teams, hosted by me, Harry Gollop. Stacked with incredible content from the most influential and successful data teams, interviewing industry experts who share their invaluable journeys, groundbreaking projects, and most importantly, their key learnings. So get ready to join us as we uncover the dynamic world of modern data. The ability to influence is pivotal for success in data. After all, the role of a data function is to inform business decision-making. One of the most effective ways to achieve this is through storytelling. Today, I'm joined by Phil Frewell, the head of data at FIS. As the head of data at FIS, Phil plays a pivotal role in influencing global business strategy. We dive into the dynamics of working closely with executive teams and explore how it differs from collaborating with other stakeholders, as well as sharing his strategy for effective storytelling, which Phil attributes to a lot of the success in his career and is an area he's extremely passionate about. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Stacks Data podcast. Today, I'm joined by Phil. Phil is the head of data at FIS. The role of a data function is to inform business decision-making, but how do you ensure the insights you're giving the business has the desired effect and leads to value creation? That's what we're going to uncover today with Phil. He's also going to uncover a bit more about his journey, his experiences, and really dive into the power of effective storytelling. Phil, it's, it's great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks, Harry. It's great to be here. All good. I'm excited to, to dive into this. This is the first uh, podcast I've ever done, so uh, we'll see how it goes, but I'm very excited. I'm sure it's going to be uh, a good one, lots to, to dive into. And first off, it'd be great to yeah get a bit more of an overview for the audience about yourself, your journey in data, and yeah, and what your current role is at, at FIS. Yeah, sure. I can give you a, a, a brief history. So um, when I was in school, I was always into maths and science, uh, not so much on the languages and, and that sort of thing. So led me to, to doing maths at, at university. I, I did pure maths, um, just enjoyed the challenge, uh, really. When I was uh, sort of going through uh, university 12, 13 years ago, there, there wasn't really a defined past in, into data and analytics like there is today. I think it's, it, there's much more of an industry around it in of itself. So I, I didn't ask, I didn't really have a, an idea about what I was going to do when I grew up at that point. And when I finished uni, there was an opportunity to, to get involved in a startup, which was, was quite exciting. I didn't really have any commitments at the time. So I, I jumped sort of, you know, two feet straight into that. And, and it was sort of in digital media marketing. Learned a whole lot about business, about these, you know, the startup world and obviously technology uh, is part of that. But um, it, it didn't go the distance. Uh, so after about 12 months or so, the, the, the venture sort of folded and I was without a job. So um, I, I was having a look around thinking about, all right, now I've finished uni, I've got a maths degree, I've, I've got a bit of experience here. So that, you know, that puts me in front of, of some other graduates, but where should I go? So I, I kind of went for a more traditional route at that point and went into a graduate scheme at Hewlett Packard. It, you know, quite a traditional grad scheme with a sort of six-month sort of rotations. 
I, I didn't really have that much influence about where I was going, but it, it was good that, you know, that, that they were rotating every, every six months or so. There was a variety of different things, sort of change, BI, project management, but sort of every single role I did was, was not massively well-defined, but it was good because it gave me a bit of a, you know, leeway to kind of make it my own. And I found myself naturally, I guess, as a maths grad, always veering towards it, the challenges where data was required or, you know, that, that was really what interested me. So I learned, well, at uni, I'd, I just kind of got a bit more savvy from a technical point of view. Um, so I started using some of those skills, you know, SQL, and taught myself some of the, the ETL of the day, which was Informatica, that sort of stuff. Relatively archaic when, when you look back at it now, but I, I learned a lot. And, and it was good to to learn about different sort of areas of the business and how everything sort of interacts. Then I, I kind of got an opportunity to join WorldPay. WorldPay is a, a payments business. At the time, it was just a UK-based business, not not massively big. I just went through IPO. I joined as a contractor, and, and really the objective was to modernize the data sort of platform for particularly focused on ops and sales. They were, you know, working in access databases and Excel spreadsheets. Probably some areas still are, to be honest, but the project itself was kind of moving towards SQL, moving towards a, a more modern, if you look at it, sort of infrastructure with SSIS at the time and Power BI as well. That, that was in the early days of Power BI. So I, I got the opportunity to become a leader, really, of, of the team that was kind of going through that transformation. And there was two quick acquisitions of the business one by uh, another payments company based in the US and then by FIS. So I joined FIS through the, the second acquisition. And it was a really good opportunity for me to, I guess, you know, expand my remit because it was, it was globalizing the team from, from what was a UK-based team. And obviously there was a lot of synergies expected, particularly on the operations point of view. So it was around kind of defining a global team and, and a global strategy for, for data. What I learned pretty quickly from that was, you know, there's, I, I happened upon leadership, but I, I wasn't necessarily the best of leaders. And I had a lot to learn when it comes to leadership. So I was lucky enough to be sponsored through an MBA where I really did learn a lot, not just about leadership, but, but all sorts of things in business, but definitely helped me grow as a leader. Once kind of coming out the end of that, there was an opportunity to move into the banking line of business. So this was a totally new area, different sort of line of business altogether. Obviously linked with payments, but focused on the, on, on the banking software, the, the banking side of the business. And, you know, it was, there wasn't an analytics team when I joined. Um, so I, I really built the team from the ground up. And we've sort of been on that journey for two and a half years now. We've come a massively long way from, you know, to begin with, just being able to to do some descriptive analytics, starting from from nothing really, into moving towards predictive analytics, and in some areas, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries a bit further than that. So that's that's the kind of a <laughs> bit of a preview uh, into sort of my my journey. Amazing. I mean, the the route into data is was never as clear as it is is now. You know, you have people that are, are going to university with the the eye of and the the goal of going straight into to a data role. There, there's degrees focusing on 
data analytics, data science, computer science, etc. So uh, yeah, many people I think tended to fall into the industry, unlike now, whereas it's it's very much a, a focus. So interested to hear that. And, and I think what stood out for me was your experience where you, you were constantly put into, I suppose, an environment that seemed to, to challenge you. And that's probably helped with and your your progression to to get to to where you're you're at constantly being out of your your comfort zone i suppose absolutely yeah no and i think that's you know any career advice is if you're not challenging yourself then you're not learning so it's it's definitely key i'll always strive to do in whatever project that i'm working on whichever team that be yeah brilliant uh, definitely great advice so um phil your role at the moment it's all about impacting business strategy but on a global level you work closely with the the business executives as a data leader how do you work effectively with the executive team and and how does it differ managing executive stakeholders versus other stakeholders in the business i think what's important to remember when working with the executive team is that it's a team made up of individuals and those are individuals with different priorities so as with any stakeholder relationship, you, you really have to understand their perspectives and their drivers, and that's going to make it easier to build a working relationship there. I think what the main difference is to working with executives with, with some of the other stakeholders you might have is that they, they, you have significantly less time with them to actually build a, a working relationship. So that that's really the challenge that, that I see. So. You know, in that sense, it's, it's really critical that you get on the right foot and you can build trust and credibility from the outset. And that really means that you can deliver a clear, succinct message in a language that they're able to understand. I'll give you an example of a mistake I made in the past. So I, I was, you know, at this point, relatively junior. We were presenting some recommendations for improving the telephony system. Now, I, I was really deep into the project with the team. You know, I knew the technology and the process inside out. But I'd never met this executive before. So rather than kind of doing some fact-finding about the, the executive, I made, made a ton of assumptions about their level of knowledge of the system and also assumptions about what they must have heard from their subordinates about what the challenges were. And I hadn't had that much exposure at all uh, when it, when it comes to working with executives. So I'd assume that they're, they're all direct and want to get straight to the point. So with that, you know, I, I kind of, crafted a, a few slides and was ready, you know, to, to get <laughs> straight into the point with, you know, and I had a lot of trust in what the team had done. And we'd also even run it by a lot of different stakeholders, you know, lower down the organization. Conversation was, yeah, it was a car crash, really, a complete opposite impact of, of what was intended. You know, we walked away without approval for the proposed changes and, and with a serious lack of credibility. So in ultimately, it took us another couple of months before we managed to get signed off on the project. Now, the lesson learned there was it was a couple of but mainly that, you know, you want to reduce as, to as big a degree as you can do the assumptions that you're making going into those conversations. So although you may not have time, right, and, and this is often the case, that you won't actually have time with the executive, and it might be the first time you're meeting with them and you're presenting in a, and in a meeting, and maybe it's a big meeting with a big audience, or maybe it's it's a more intimate setting. But either way, you know you haven't had a chance to even meet the person yet. Uh, one of the good things that you can do is, although you might be meeting them for the first time, you know if you've worked with 
potentially some of the leaders underneath them, you know, another, potentially another executive that you do have a relationship, you can, you can do a bit of fact finding around getting some context, what are their drivers, what they're like, how do they think about things? And that's going to help you craft your message in a way that they're actually going to understand you. Uh, and, and it's going to increase your chances of getting off on the right foot. So had I done any research in that scenario, would have learned that yeah, the executive wasn't new to the business, but it had been transferred uh, from, from one of the areas. So it wasn't, you know, we were still learning about things and had a lot of questions that we didn't necessarily have the answer for right away in that conversation that, you know, obviously led to that lack of um, trust, that lack of credibility. So definitely a lesson learned there, but, you know, something that I often share when I'm, I, I talk around how to prepare for for these sort of conversations is how to build those relationships. No, I, I think that's an excellent story. The ability to use time wisely is is so, so important. And fact-finding is a key point of that. You need to know your target audience like in, in anything. What you can deliver to one person is not how you would deliver it to the next. And yeah, great advice to to speak to other people before trying to understand, you know, where they're at, how they're going to think and, and what's going to work well for, for them. Um, saves you time and is, is going to save them time and, and help push the business forward quicker and, and projects forward quicker. That's great advice for people stepping into that space. So um, another area we're keen to to uncover is is the importance of of setting the right metrics and, and measures obviously data is is about that having that desired impact and that value creation so how important is setting the right metrics and measures to that that aspects of the equation well i think it's it's critically important really because what we measure and in particular what metrics that we target directly influence the behavior of the teams of the business and therefore directly influence performance so I, I think first and foremost, we need to have a clear idea of what success looks like. You know, I'm talking about on a on a broader scale for the business, right? What is what, what does success look like? Is is it growth? Is it is it cost cutting, you know, savings? Is it customer experience? It, it really having that knowing what success looks like, it then seems easy, but it's it's <laughs> and, and it's it's easy to come up with a, a bunch of ideas, but every single business is different. Every single team is different. So what is the, the true measure of success in, in sort of that scenario? That's without alignment on that, you're going to end up with measures that don't make sense, that people don't agree with, or other people are going to kind of try and work against in, in many ways. Once that's established, then, you know, it follows quite clearly what outcomes are best aligned with those objectives. And I think when it comes to the right set of metrics and measures, it's, it's, it's important to be really balanced, okay? So you, you're obviously driving towards um, certain outcomes, but you, you do need a good mix of leading and lagging indicators in, in order to, particularly the, the leading indicators that are going to help your stakeholders make decisions that are going to drive the right outcomes. But obviously, we, we don't want to lose sight of the outcomes and therefore having those lagging indicators is critical when you, you come to reflect on things. So in my experience, it's easy to get carried away. You know, we, we work in, in analytics where we're keen to, to get more and more features to help us predict outcomes. But from the stakeholder perspective, it's important that they have the right even indicators to help them make the right decisions. But 
if you have too many, you, you often see this on you know dashboards and things where you, you the end of getting called KPIs, key performance indicators. But if you've got too many, you know, you, you're dropping that key out there and it's just a bunch of performance indicators. And particularly for, for teams that are less data savvy, it, it really dilutes the focus and it, it takes the, the attention away from where it needs to be. So having a sort of crisp, clean set of metrics that everyone agrees on and understands is, is really important to, to, to sort of driving the right outcomes for the business. That makes sense. Don't. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't give yourself too many goals to to hit because in the end you'll you'll miss the big one which you're you're trying to to achieve and and it seems that they can probably be distractions. Um, as, yeah, as and well. I, I would say and and this is this goes beyond analytics and it's more sort of culturally within, within leadership in the business. It, it's important that the measures are used in the right way. It's obviously important that we have targets. But we also need to have things in perspective, right? We're measuring things because they're indicators, right? So what, you know, sometimes you, you might see, and, you know, I've seen in the past with some leaders is that they'll beat teams up over, you know, metrics not being where they want them to be. And, and that is, that's, that's a really, it's only going to drive negative behaviors. It's going to drive people to, you know, game in the metrics rather than actually, taking action to to systematically improve performance where where necessary yeah i think that's a that's a great point it's if you know you you flip it on it on its head you you've set these metrics if they're not set to encourage the right behaviors and, and the right outcomes then you'll get people who are who are essentially going to try and play play the systems you know make the you're, you're hitting the metrics but are you hitting the actual goal maybe not so yeah it's definitely something to to be aware of when you're you're setting these 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 metrics and, and measures i think that links links nicely phil into sort of a, a common challenge that i know sort of many data leaders face and i suppose it can be trickled down to to any data professional and it's essentially challenging executives teams particularly around requirements i suppose it's that managing up part of a of a situation how do you ensure executives get what they need opposed to what they what they want because sometimes they don't match up yeah <laughs> it is a challenge and and look everybody is busy and it kind of goes back to, you know, being clear on, on where we're going um, and having organized ASML objectives that make sense. Once, you know, th- there's a common understanding of that, then it, it's easier to kind of influence decisions that are going to help us move in, the, in that direction. I think it's, you know, you might get asked for, you know, a new dashboard, a, a new data product that, um, solve a specific problem and in one perspective it might make sense but it's important to kind of dig a little bit deeper right you know what i ask my team to do is and this this is with the executives and with any stakeholder is you know there's a lot of demand coming in for, for us to, to build something for us to uh, deliver something but what problem are we actually solving and why and it's you know it's the, the classic five whys if, if you keep asking why, then you, you're going to get to the to the real problems. And I think 
it, it may be a slightly harder with an executive, depending on the culture of the business, if, if people feel um, empowered to, to sort of challenge in that way. But even in, in especially almost at, at that level, it's important that you get down to the, to the real problem. Once you understand the real problem, you can build the right solution. So it's not batting them away um, requirements. It's, it's really understanding them. Um, and contextualizing it within, you know, within the, the the objectives of the business. What is the target outcome? Why are we getting asked to do this? Then you can be a bit more creative about how to solve the problem that is driven driving the requirement. So it's it's the same with executives with than with any other stakeholder. It just can be sometimes a little bit more challenging uh, depending on your relationships. Yeah, the five whys, it's a great tool, I think, when gathering gathering requirements to truly understand, as you said, you know, what's the real intention? Um, that's the how you're going to be able to build something that's going to be truly relevant and can save you months of work. You build something, it's not quite, you know, answering the the true question. And that's all will all trickle back to to that initial sort of conversation and understanding of the the goal it's it's something that mckinley from the financial times mentioned on the uh the podcast that was was aired last week actually is as well then five wise and about how to to truly understand what you're going to build so definitely think that's that's great advice i suppose you then have understand the requirements you've built something so phil how do you use storytelling to influence stakeholders i suppose that can be at any part of the the life cycle of a project, whether it's at the end, getting someone to act upon a data product or at the beginning um, when you're you're in that requirement gathering stage. But I think the key is is, is how and what the audience would like to understand is, is how do you actually use effective storytelling to, to really inspire influence? Yeah, good question. And it? It, it's something that I'm quite passionate about, actually. There's some absolutely fantastic resources that really helped me when I was sort of up and coming as an analyst there's Colness, Bama, Netflix, Storytelling with Data, and, and there's also work by Nancy Durat and Edward Tufty as well. So there's a bunch of stuff that's out there to, to help define what they, good data storytelling looks like. But if we, if we just think, what is that and why? I mean, there's a ton of research that shows, you know, storytelling is, it helps first and foremost, and it helps the audience understand the points that you're trying to make. If you think back to, you know, and I'm not just thinking about novels, right? Any good TED talk potentially that you've heard or any any great informational book you've read, it's usually the anecdotes that you actually remember. It's those anecdotes that illustrate the point that really resonate and that stick with you after, you know, you, after the, the podcast finish or after the uh, long, long after you put the book down. So that's why we use storytelling. It's just how the human mind Processes information and, 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 and can easily contextualize and remember it. And if you package it in that way, there's, you know, like I said, there's a bunch of resources out there that you can, what does good storytelling look like? But, the, you know, the, the classic answer of it depends is, is kind of true in this case because it, it depends on the stakeholder, the audience, and, and the project that you're working on, how it is the best way to do it. You may, doing a you know a long-term project so you you're looking to completely revamp an end-to-end process in the business or transition to a new way of working 
you know, that, that's a long relationship where you want to take, you know, your audience on the journey with you. And, you know, there'll be points when you need decisions. And if, if they're part and embedded in, in the story of what's going on, that they're going to feel more engaged and, and, and more, they'll be much easier for them to, to process the insights that you've, that you're potentially providing. Then there's other scenarios where you, you maybe, you know, go back to that, you know, first time you're meeting an executive or it may not even be an executive, but first time you're meeting someone and they're coming in late on a project and you need a specific decision made, maybe you need some budget, then that's a that's a slightly different challenge, right? You you haven't taken them along on the journey, but you need to you need to understand, particularly that decision maker, how you best gonna grab their attention, how you best going to tell them the the story as it were, in a way that they're gonna understand it. You don't wanna um with too much detail, but you also need to present the information in a way that's gonna resonate and essentially in a way that's going to help them make the right decision, which, you know, you've arrived on through hours and hours of wading through the data, analyzing different things, going down dead ends, coming back again. And, and, you know, you've found which way makes sense for the business. And it's about getting that person on board. So when it comes to storytelling, it it is only not just unique to the, the person, the decision maker or the audience, but also to the the project and the situation and the reason that you're telling that story in the first place. Often, often it is to get a decision made, uh, but sometimes it's it's to you know influence a wider group to take collective action, and then you know that's slightly harder, I guess. You know, if, if you've targeted one person or a group of people, that's potentially easier to tailor things. With a wider group, you've got to you've got to kind of look for similarities between that group and, and, and picture in a way that is more accessible for a general audience. That makes sense. It, I think it comes back to that understanding, understanding your audience, having the empathy to understand what's going on in, in their world, treating them as, as their own entity, their own individual who have their own goals. And I think when you can influence and tell a story which is going to help them achieve their goals, it gives you a lot more traction, a lot more likely of, of getting what you want. I think what's what's important as well is, like you say, I, I absolutely agree, you know, knowing your audience, that's key. But, you know, you have to appreciate that different people in the business, different teams are going to have varying levels of sort of data literacy. And that's, you know, that can be a challenge sometimes. If you happen to address multiple people in say different forums on a, on a project it's really important to to be cognizant of that and you can't just tell the same story every time if, if that makes sense you, you really have to tailor things to the story to the audience in a way that they're gonna actually be able to understand it some people might not want to get into the detail might not understand you certainly don't want to spend your time explaining how to read the data you know you, you want you want them to focus on the insights and the action. So, well, that insight and action is is going to be what's driving the is should be driving that decision for for the impact, right? Absolutely. So, Phil, there's often when people are progressing in their careers, you know, there's there's a real difference between what a good analyst looks like and, and what a great analyst is. 
what are the differences between someone that's good and someone that's great? And yeah, what's your advice on how to get to, to being within that great bracket? Yeah, so it's a good question. And really, to be a good analyst, I think it's important to have a, a solid sort of technical skills in, in a few key technologies across the data stack. And obviously, be able to use them to solve business problems efficiently. But to be a great analyst, I think you know uh, they do tend to have you know a more advanced in in the depth and breadth of the technical expertise. But what really distinguishes them, in my view, is these softer skills such as you know data storytelling, which we've talked about, as as well as really having an insatiable curiosity. I think that that sort of combination is what enables a great analyst to solve more complex problems and have a bigger impact as well by effectively communicating with, with stakeholders and, and driving that impact. That's so true. I think the the curiosity leads to complexity and complexity in analytics is, is where I think the real value comes from. You know, it's not just looking at, you know, year sales to date. That's not massively valuable, is it? But being able to to join up multiple systems, multiple departments, that curiosity to, to spot them differences. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to take one thing, one step further as well, when you look at what makes a good data leader, I think when it comes to, to leadership, really the most important thing is, is that it's a conscious decision for that person going into leadership. Because often you'll see, you know, sort of the most experienced or tenured analyst or data scientist find themselves in a leadership position. And, and in those scenarios, you know, it's really a 50-50. It's a coin toss as to whether it or not is going to work out or not. So, you know, I think really wanting it and making that decision and, you know, knowing that your day-to-day looks totally different to when you're an expert doing technical mentorship with the team, whereas, you know, doing leadership in terms of managing people and strategy, your, your actual, you know, the composition of your day and how much free time you're going to have to focus is is going to entirely change. So that's that really has to be a conscious decision. And, and really what, what defines a successful leader in my eye you know, the, the key attribute is, re- is really empathy. You know, that's that in, and in particular, being able to understand things from the perspective of your team, your stakeholders, and your customers. That's a brilliant point. Empathy is emotional intelligence and, and a trait which is needed, I think, in, in any part of, of business, but particularly in leadership. We've already discussed today whether it's talking to a, a stakeholder that you don't know and relating it to them. Or as you mentioned just there, your your team. So yeah, I think that's a, a great key takeaway point to, to really focus on your empathy and, and how what you're doing is being perceived by by the other person. So Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about storytelling with yourself today. Before we go, we just have the quickfire round. So this is a section of questions we ask all of the guests. So the first one, Phil. How do you assess a job opportunity in your career and how do you know it's the right move for you? Yeah, I think really, if, if you can ask yourself two questions. Does a job excite me? And does this opportunity make me nervous? I think really, if the answer to, to both of those questions is yes, then that's a good indication you found a role in company that you're passionate about. You know, the being nervous one is... You know, I think that's important because it indicates that you're going to be challenged in that role. And that's really key for your career development and sustaining motivation in the medium to long term there. I like that one. Nervous. Nervous equals growth. So, yeah, great one. What's your best advice for people in an interview? Obviously, do your research, interview the interviewer. 
you really need to ensure that you're the right that that you know not just you are the right fit but that that company and the culture that you you you're looking to to be part of is the right fit for you uh, so if you don't have any questions when it comes to the end of the interview, that actually might be a signal that, that it's not it's not actually going to be a good fit and it, it isn't the right one for you. And I guess finally, just in terms of securing the offer, the best advice I can give there is is do something to stand out. So physical interview, that might be taking, taking a pack in, to leave as a, as a takeaway. If it's a virtual one, maybe it's, you know, providing a link to some of your project portfolio on, on GitHub or on Kaggle or, or something like that. Yeah, the questions piece is uh, a, a big one, something that many other guests have, have, have brought up as well. Finally, if you could recommend one resource for the audience to help them upskill, what would that be? Great question. We're really spoiled for choice now, I think, when it, when it comes to data and analytics and, and data science. I, I'll give you a couple that, that really help me accelerate quickly. So from a technical perspective, I'd look for a provider with an integrated learning environment. You know, eight plus years ago, I used DataCamp, which was pretty new then, to upskill really quickly. And I found that, you know, it really helped accelerate that sort of, you know, being able to watch videos and then, you know, apply code and not have to worry about setting up the environment when I didn't know what I was doing. And and I hear that it's it's still a really good resource for many of the analysts that are in my team that have used it. So it's some really good content on there still, I, I believe. And then Kaggle is a great platform, obviously, for, you know, getting ideas and challenging yourself to, to put your skills to practice and, and, and solve some real problems there. Finally, just to circle around to the main theme of the pod, data storytelling, it's really something I'm passionate about. And, and it's, this is what really has helped me get to, to the next level in my career. You know, I mentioned this previously, but in particular, I studied the lessons in the storytelling with data books by Colonel Sparman and Affleck. And then what was most important was that I actually began to practice them immediately in my day-to-day. So whatever I was working on, I, I put those lessons to practice and, and refine my skills there. And I, I think that goes for anything, right? Knowledge is, is the foundation, but it's, it's that deliberate practice that where, that's really key to honing your skills and making an impact. Amazing, amazing. Well, we'll put a, uh, a link to the uh, book in the in the notes. But Phil, really appreciate your time uh, today. It's been a really insightful journey on on storytelling. So thank you very much for your time, and uh, have a have a good rest of your day. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so so much for tuning in. I really hope you've learned something. I know I have. The Stack Podcast aims to share real journeys and lessons that empower you and the entire community. Together, we aim to unlock new perspectives and overcome challenges in the ever-evolving landscape of modern data. Today's episode was brought to you by Cognify, the recruitment partner for modern data teams. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit that follow button to stay updated with our latest releases. More importantly, if you believe this episode could benefit someone you know, please share it with them. We're always on the lookout for new guests who have inspiring stories and valuable lessons to share with our community. If you or someone you know fits that bill, please don't hesitate to reach out. I've been Harry Gollop from Cognify, your host and guide on this data-driven journey. Until next time, over and out. Hold up. 